We're on Hollywood Boulevard. We are, guys. Driving along. How is it going? Uh, it's, um, it's going. It's going. We were just talking over when we were on the block about how it is October. And that was fast. Yeah, um, and, how time uh, is and, flying. Um, how... Yeah, and how Doug was lamenting he hasn't been able to find anything terribly Halloweeny. Yeah, fellow listeners, I am all for suggestions and tips. I said with all the channels and streamings in the world, I was hoping to find some more Halloween-friendly things that, you know, like either old or new scary movies that you usually don't see but that they pull out for the month. Oh, but now I'm remembering there's one Halloween thing I have found um, that that they are airing this month that I'll that I can talk about briefly. Um, but otherwise, I'm open. I want to hear more. I want to I want to see more. I want to I want to maintain the the autumnalness and the Halloweenness of the month as much as I possibly can. That's like almost as much as okay. I love having the holiday spirit in the air. I want I want the fall Halloween spirit in my life right now. Wow. Okay. So we have to like spirit you up. Um, you know, oh well the conjuring house is back up for sale. That how's that for Halloween y? Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yes, I live um I don't live near the conjuring house, but it's it's in my um it's in my county, as they say. Um, and yeah, it's, I think it's like up for sale for like $1.2 million, probably because of the ghosts. I mean, maybe. Um, but it hadn't, it, it had been so, it had, it had been on the market not that long ago, um, probably maybe five years. And the, the new owners, I guess they kind of turned it into a, like an inn or a bed and breakfast where like, if you're like ghost hunters would go and right. like, see if it was, you know spooky or you know so yeah could um, you make it i don't know night? maybe maybe it yeah yeah exactly one of those so i don't know maybe it maybe like the price got jacked up to 1.2 million because they've made some sort of business out of it um although if you buy so if you buy the house you're paying basically for the this business that they've created although i wonder how lucrative it really is because they wouldn't have sold the house um unless it really is haunted and they're just scared to death right perhaps literally Perhaps literally. And they were like, we got to unload this house. But, you know, for all of you thrill seekers out there, the Conjuring House can be yours for $1.2 million. We can be neighbors. Yeah, you guys. How cool would that be? I don't know what's scarier. The Conjuring House <laughs> would be my neighbor. So, yeah. Um, okay. So, um, you've, do you, should I, I have something Halloween-y. Oh, uh, go for it. Halloween okay. it up. I'm going to Halloween it up. I have been watching. I'm not quite done with it yet, but I feel pretty confident where I'll be able to talk about it um, a little bit. Uh, Midnight Mass on Netflix. Oh, I am all ears on this one, and I haven't seen any of it, so tell me everything. Okay. Now, do you even know anything about it? It's the same creator who did The Haunting of Hill House and Bly Manor, and... I don't really know much about the premise, so I'm better off letting you talk. Okay, so first of all, like, the biggest surprise, like, all I knew about this was that it was uh, Mike Flanagan, the creator of um, Bly Manor and Hill um, Hill House, and um, 
Uh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and so that was basically all I knew about it. So surprise, Hamish Linklater stars. Yeah. I had no idea until it was like, Yeah, oh, I saw oh, that. I knew that he was there. Hamish. Um, which was sort of um, super fun uh, to see him because he hasn't been doing much. Well, we saw him, my beloved and I, recently on a, an Amazon series called Tell Me Your Secrets with his real-life partner, Lily Rabe, and Amy Brenneman, um, among others, which is like actually a really terrible 10-part series that we saw through to the end but were incredibly disappointed by. Um, but yes, we saw him in that. And I'm trying to think if we'd seen him in anything else recently. Perhaps not. Because I haven't seen him in like ages. So I was like, oh, look, it's Hamish Linklater. So that was kind of fun. Um, but uh, anyway, um, and it's, it's a really wonderful cast. Um, really great actors. Not many that I like know, right? Um, like apart from Hamish and also Annabeth Gish um, is in it. And uh, Rahul Kohli, who is in iZombie, who is fantastic in iZombie and he's wonderful. Oh so, yeah. Oh, I yeah, like him a lot. I love, I adore him. He can do no wrong. Um, but there's you know, some so holdovers he, from the other shows, right? Like isn't Henry yes. Thomas in it? Yes, there okay. are definitely holdovers from the other shows. These are people like Henry Thomas is in it. Um, who else is in it? Um, the um, Mike Flanagan's wife is in it. This one too, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, Kate Siegel is in yeah, it. So Kate there, uh, Samantha Sloyan, who was in, um, who was in the other ones. Oh, okay. Too. Like, so there's crossover in cast from like Bly Manor and those, um, and those shows. So, I mean, I guess it's not fair to say I didn't know the actors because I do know the actors, but they're not necessarily those household name right. actors, right? Um, so, anyway, it's very, it's so weird. It's so, this is a little hard to talk about because, first of all, it, it's going to be, it's going to be hard to sort of hold out those spoilers, but also because it was so similar to his other movies, yet uh, other series, not movies, but so different, so it is very cerebral. Oh, um, in a good it, way or in a, in a hard very good way? Okay. In a very good way. Like, well, in a way where I feel like you're either going to hate it or you're going to love it. So if you are down with like more cerebral horror, this is totally your jam. Um, because we don't really, it, it, it's almost like a slow, the horror parts are almost like a slow burn. Mm. Um, you, we don't really get there until probably the third episode um, where the sort of horror starts stuff really starts rolling out and coming into play because mostly like those first couple of episodes were left kind of questioning, like, you know, Hamish is this priest who comes into this town and this is a very isolated town. It's a tiny Island with maybe, I don't know, like 70 people left there. I think it's like off the coast of um, Washington state. Okay. Um, and so it's like very hard, hard hit, farming community right not farming fishing community mm. um that's been struggling for several years and a lot of people have left the island for the mainland and the people that stayed there are kind of like the stalwarts you know they're really digging in this is their community they live off the land they fish they blah 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 um so you know that they don't really have much but what they do have is religion and um it, and catholicism specifically and so their priest um, is, so I guess, in the throes of dementia, but they raise money to send him to the Holy Land so that he can visit the Holy Land before he dies. 
and um, he doesn't return. And so who we get in return is Hamish Linklater, who is playing a priest who comes to uh, take care of the congregation until he says their regular Monsignor can get there. Um, because he's, he says that he is, you know, basically convalescing on the mainland and he will be with them as soon as he's able, right? But now all sorts of weird things start to happen. Um, and by weird, it's sort of, and again, this is where the slow burn comes in. Like one of the, uh, one of the women, she doesn't need her glasses anymore. One of the men, his hmm. back is feeling bad. So there hmm. are just like these little things where you're kind of like, and you kind of, if you blink, you miss it, you know? Um, and then there's like this other lead character played by uh, Zach Guilford, who is sort of like the prodigal son returns. He was the, like, he had left um, the island. He had escaped and he went to sort of make his fortune in, in like with startups and stock trading and all of that. But it turns out he was a raging alcoholic um, uh, and killed somebody in a drunk driving accident. And so he's been to prison for, I don't know, like Oh, uh, so years. it's not like he has a secret or the guilt. Yeah. He's, okay. He's just returned home, this sort of like broken man. Also returned home was his high school, who's high school girlfriend, the love of his life. Um, she ran away from the island as, as teenagers. Um, she um, and then she, it turns out that she's back. She has divorced her husband, yet she is pregnant with his baby. Um, but she has come home to her mother's house. I guess her mother died, and she is now teaching school with um, Bev, played by Samantha Sloyan, who is one of those characters that you love to hate. She is like one of those, like she's not a nun, but she should be uber religious, very judgy, uh, okay. you know, that sort of person. Um, anyway. And also should be said, Raul Coley plays the sheriff and he is kind of odd man out. He's Muslim in a town where everybody goes to the Catholic church. Right. And so that's kind of a thing that comes up as well in terms of, um, in terms of storylines. It's a lot. There's a lot about religion in in here. I mean, they're like I'm gathering, yeah. Bible. I mean, it is like heavy with the like religious passages, um, but it is super, super fascinating to hear when the horror aspects come into play, and then they start reading these passages um, out of the Bible, or they're doing the sermons, or whatever it is. It really makes you kind of cock your head and go oh, I never thought of it like that, you know, and oh, it's super, super interesting. I mean, I was raised Catholic, so I'm sort of really fascinated by all of this because the Catholic church, like it confounds me um, and the, their beliefs kind of confound me. And yeah. so to see it, how, to, so to see it in, it's almost like seeing it fresh to see it like this and sort of this story being told in the way that it's being told is really, I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of mind blowing and I'm there. Like I would, I want to binge this thing. Like I, like I've been like, it's been really hard for me to like not binge. How it. many are there? Do you know? I think. Are there are um, 10? No, there are not 10. I think I only have like two left and I'm a little. Oh, you're close. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's like one, uh, three, four, five, seven. There are seven. Oh, okay. Yeah, there are seven. So I'm like, I'm kind of bummed because I only have two Because now you're almost there. 
Yeah, because I'm almost there. And I remember feeling it was feeling this with Bly Manor and doing this with um, Hill House. Hill House is that right? It's is it of Haunting yeah. of Hill House or House on Haunted is, Hill? I keep not Haunted, remembering. No, it's Haunting of Hill House. It's okay. Haunting of Hill House. Um, like you know, like the first one, like the first episode, I was kind of like, huh, what's this? What's going on here? And then you go, and then by the second episode, you're like, oh my god, I can't stop watching. And then by the like the next to last ones, you're like, I can't believe this is almost over, and I can't believe I'm gonna have to wait another year for this guy to. Like, yeah, it's for the next year. one. <laughs> because he's like my like at this point, I have to say he is probably one of my favorite people, like favorite auteurs, let's say, working in horror. That right makes now. me want to watch it, and I have. Yeah, I'd heard mixed things. I think most people I know liked Hill House and Bly Manor, and we never finished Hill House and never watched Bly Manor. The only people I know who'd watched Midnight Mass so far were complaining, and I think this goes back to the slow burn stuff that you were talking about um the that they're like nothing has even happened yet by the end of the first episode um i don't even know if i want to continue with it but it sounds like it's all worth it so i don't know and i wonder if they did really is it's putting a very i mean i'll i will say this a little bit of a spoiler but i will say this it is putting a very new twist on the story of angels and the idea of angels. And if you can just hold out, and I mean, honestly, though, if you think of this guy's work with like Bly Manor and Hill House, he was never into the jump scares. He was never doing the sort of like bloody axe murder Jason shit like that. So if that's like the brand of horror that you like, then like you're probably not. This is just never going to be for you. This isn't going to be your thing. But like, if you're, like I don't know, like some of my favorite horror has come from like Rosemary's Baby or right. like where it it's a little bit more cerebral. I mean, I guess that stuff was also kind of like sensational and and shocking. And this doesn't ne- this has moments of that, but not a lot of it. But maybe um, uh, Audrey Rose. Did you yeah, see that yes. movie with Anthony yep. Hopkins or? Um, you know, my favorite, the one that I can never remember where Anthony Hopkins played the ventriloquist. Magic. Magic, thank you. It always yeah. stab the, the puppet stab people. Um, or um, uh, like just a little bit, uh, a little less gore and a little more creep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where it's, where you know, it's like stick with it in the long run to be rewarded yeah kind of like children of the corn maybe that would be a and even that's not quite right but it was never gross it was just really creepy right yes and this has that same sort of uh, vibe to it and um you know a little bit of a mystery um because i think that his uh uh what's his name mike flanagan's um other other shows have always had like a little hint of mystery, like who is this? Why did this happen right. to them? You know that sort of thing. Um, but I don't know. I just think it's um, it's really it's really really great. And I think if you've ever, maybe if you ha- if you have never if you weren't raised religious, because I I don't necessarily feel like you have to be Catholic to like you know really appreciate this. Like I think that anybody who has been raised with some sort of religion will relate to the dogma let's say um and and the sort of indoctrination that can happen um and and yeah i don't know i'm i'm i love it i don't think anthony i think anthony is tolerating it just so he can sit in the room with me Mm -hmm. i (laughs) 
But, you know, again, like I, he dropped out of Hill House and he dropped out of Bly Manor. And I, but for me, those like I could watch those. Over and yeah, over you over. are committed. I am. I like love this guy's stuff. So, yeah. So two thumbs up. Good to know. Really good to know. So maybe yeah. I do add that to my list. So I remembered the 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 like Halloween thing that I've watched is for either three or four seasons now, AMC does this thing with Eli Roth, the horror director, um, where he does like Eli Roth's history of horror. And he produces and hosts a show that each episode is like five or six different uh, segments about various horror movies tied together by a theme, whether it's like different movies from different times about vampirism or cannibals or body horror. And I think the first one of this year aired last week and it was about like really good and underrated horror sequels. And, you know, and like the definition of horror varies a little bit. So they're almost all movies that I know super well and have certainly seen. Um, But horror has always been, my bag so um i'll always be down to watch more about it even if it's just a couple minutes um about any given film so yeah i watch all the episodes last week's was you know they talked about like scream 2 and gremlins 2 the new batch which is i think a criminally undersung film um (laughs) oh they did nightmare on elm street 3 which was a game changer that i loved um yeah so if anyone has access to amc either on their their cable um whatever subscription you have or whatever platform might be running amc i think there's amc plus but i think there might also be tie-ins with other ones i don't know um but anyway i dig it i love horror so i hope to find some more of that i'm gonna have to see then if um if the, if i can get this on hulu because i know i get some amc stuff on hulu but not everything i know amc and who and sundance show up in some places in addition to their streamers but i'm just not sure but um, it's like not everything and some stuff is like pay like you gotta pay extra, extra so anyway, yeah because this sounds like something i would love to watch i think it's really it's cool yeah up. oh this is a great this is cool thank you thank you for this well we thank each other yes then i have another movie that i saw on streaming this week which is like a horror movie of a whole different kind oh do tell I saw the Netflix filmed version of the musical Diana about the late Princess Di, which is going to open on Broadway in about two months. Interesting. Karen, it was bad. (laughs) I'm not surprised. So what made it bad? This is okay. Can I just also say, I'm sorry. Can I just say, I think this is the first time you've actually said, just said it was bad. I'm pretty sure I haven't, but if, (laughs) if it is play it as it lays. Um, yeah. Like I, what's, what's wrong with it? I mean, the plot, the story, the music, the everything, it's like exactly what you think it would be. And just like with nothing more to it, but also like without any artistry to it. So it really is um, the story of Princess Diana and her bad marriage to Prince Charles and how he was horrible and was constantly cheating with Camilla. Um, But it doesn't really have any actors to play members of the monarchy other than Queen Elizabeth, who doesn't really act like Queen Elizabeth. She just acts like a mommy 
to Prince Charles. Um, and like the whole, just the whole packaging of the show structurally is so dumb because, okay, what they could have done is have Princess Diana come out in the very beginning and sing a song about wanting her life to be a dream, to be a fairy tale, or perhaps wanting to make a difference in the world Mm -hmm. or have her as a young girl come out and sing that because basically there are multiple times where the character talks about like this dream has turned into a nightmare um like the fairy tale is not what you think so you might as well have made that thematic you already had the dialogue to string it together but they don't really do that they really just go for like the salacious salacious wikipedia play-by-play of And these were all the things that she did. This was the time that she pissed Prince Charles off here. And this was the time that she and Camilla had a fight here. And this was the interview where Prince Charles said this. And this was the interview that she did for the book here. That sort of thing. Um, There are a couple numbers that show how she became beloved by the people. Um, You know, how the paparazzi always loved her. how, How she was very good with AIDS patients and other humanitarian efforts. Um, But it's all kind of cheaply done. Uh, It's put together by most of the team, I think, that did Memphis, the musical, about 12 years ago, which includes David Bryan, who is one of the Bon Jovi group. Um, And a lot of the music I almost could have loved because it's a lot of guitar. it's It's a very 80s kind of thing, but every song is forgettable. Like, there's no hook. That's cool if you got the air guitars or some synthesizer because you're talking about the 80s, but but then there's no hook. Like, they're just all interchangeable and forgettable. Um, and some of them really sound like other songs that, that you've heard. Um, like, there's just no there there. And even the very end, and I guess this counts as a spoiler, but Princess Diana's dead. Um, <laughs> so, like, it's not a surprise if you know that she and prince charles divorced and that then she died in 1997 but basically her last big number is how she's starting a new chapter in her life and she vows to do all these great things with her life and she can remarry and have more kids and make a difference around the world and then the very next thing is we have a bunch of members of the show's chorus uh play members of the media talking about how princess diana has died so it's like well you set up that she's going to have this new life And then you talk about how the very next thing is she's dead and gone forever. And not in a sense that's like, what a shame, this loss of potential, blah, blah, blah. Just like, well, this is the next thing that happened historically. So this is the next thing we have to do. And now our show is over. Goodbye. And now she's dead. Like, yeah. 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 So I, okay. So here's the the other thing. Yes. This was, I think in the middle of COVID when no one knew what was going to happen with a lot of shows. This was a Broadway bound show. It never got to have its opening because the shutdown happened about two or three weeks prior in 2020. Um, So this was a way of preserving the show and the work that everyone had done on it and bringing it to an audience that may or may not have been able to ever see it on the stage. And I, I applaud them for that. It's great. If you have a Netflix subscription, like we do that, we could just watch it. That was our Friday night. Um, and I'm glad I know what it was, um, but I know what it was. So it's not so great because <laughs> the show turns out to not be worth the money you might have wanted to spend on a Broadway show. Well, I'm okay. curious to see how it will do. And I wonder if those who have been able to now watch it on Netflix, um, you know, how that will change that. 
Well, that's kind of what I'm wondering. I mean, because it, if, you know, is this going to, does this mean that it probably, like, it won't go to Broadway? Because, you know, I mean, looking at IMDb, the Metascore is 30. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's, like, people are, I, I, it's clearly not resonating. Yeah, it's not wowing. Day. It's not wowing, and it is so. as far as I know. Still, the plan is I think previews begin early November, and it will. It is coming to Broadway very, very soon. I just don't know what that run will ultimately look like. Yeah, I'm just sort of I don't know. It's just a bit of a head scratcher why they would do this because if it's going to walk into Broadway with buzz, I mean, look at this one star from The Guardian. Yeah, accidental comedy and cringeworthy lines. I mean, that is fair. The dialogue is terrible. And the lyrics are terrible. There isn't a single rhyme that you cannot predict to two lyrics earlier. Damn. It's not the cast's fault, incidentally. I should say, Jenna DeWall, as Princess Diana, is doing everything she can. They have just given her nothing good to work with. Um, and, and the other key players, Roe Hartramp as Prince Charles is, is doing fine. I've never seen him in a musical before. I've only seen him, seen him in dramas. Um, Judy Kay, a two-time Tony winner as Queen Elizabeth is fine. Aaron Davey as Camilla, who is a little bit of, um, not quite like a Che Guevara in Evita. She's not that much of a narrator or audience surrogate, but is kind of like the link sometimes between audience and show um like they're all fine and they're doing what they can it's not their fault but it's not good it rarely is but it's just not good yeah Yeah. i mean i don't know i think that there's i I guess there's been renewed interest because of the crown yeah and if and if i believe this book probably was written before the season of the crown aired but it hits all the same notes so if you've watched the crown in the last year or so like, you know everything that's coming. It's not even like if you lived it in real life to remember 20-odd years down the line or 30-odd years down the line. Oh, yes, like, you are anticipating the things that happen here. Right, right. And, I mean, I don't know. Does it – I guess I guess time has passed, right? So, I mean, is this – is Diana – because, like, the crown is – sort of the epic saga of the royal family where it started like when queen elizabeth mm-hmm. was you know when she was coronated yeah, like, yeah, she was, yeah you know what i mean like it started when she was really young and it was about the the whole the whole monarchy leading up to present day and so that's really a saga and diana is one moment albeit one sh- bright shining glittery moment in a larger story and i don't know if I hate to say this because I'm a huge Diana fan, but I don't know that her story can stand on its own. Well, no, and and especially because the way it's done here is reductive and that it's not about her life. It's only about her marriage. Like it's only about her time defined by Charles. Right. Right. Which is diminishing. Right. And I don't know. It just kind of feels like also maybe other people won't feel because, you know, she was. I remember the royal wedding. I watched mm-hmm. it on TV. I remember. You must you have know, been a baby. I was not, but yeah. <laughs> um, but thank you. Um, so I remember all of those milestones because they played out in American media. It was a big news story, you know. Oh yeah. Like any enormous, like her entire life. Like you know, I remember. I was I was working at Ladies Home Journal when her um 
when some of her her dresses went up for oh, auction. Oh yeah, that, which is in the show that. too. Yeah, I, I mean, this is like all this stuff that like was part of like I don't know my life like that I grew up with, and so it's sort of fascinating. Like I don't know, I just kind of feel like you can't like what can you tell me that's new that I don't already know? And maybe you know people who don't have that knowledge or that background or that or the memory might take away something new from it, but I just kind of feel like you're just regurgitating stuff that I've already like witnessed in real time. You yeah, know? that is what it is. I don't even know that this is a show for people who want to learn anything new, though. I think it's just people that want to see the dresses and re-witness the drama, which the show gives you, but just in an uninspired way. Yeah, I just don't feel like that. I don't know. To me, that just doesn't make a compelling stage show. Uh, I don't know. It just, I don't know. To me, I'm just kind of like, meh, I don't find that really compelling. Yeah, I mean, I can see that there may have, uh, it may have seemed like there was a, a big commercial element to it. I just don't know that there will be. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe in somebody else's hands. I don't <laughs> yeah, maybe there was a way to have done it differently. And maybe if a star was involved, but I don't know. I don't know. Christopher Ashley directed. I mean, he's no slouch. No, he's a big Broadway name. He's a Tony winner for Come From Away, among other things. Yes, he's not a slouch. Right. I mean, Joe DiPietro. Yeah. Uh, I think he writes, eh, I think he writes the hack stuff. Yeah. I mean, uh, you get what you get, right? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) yeah. Um, Okay. So, big So, there we go, guys. Some, uh, some different kinds of scares as we, as we kick off the Halloween season. Um, Again, if you guys have recommendations for anything I should be watching, streaming, reading whatever um i love this time of year and i just want to enhance it as much as i can uh quote-unquote culturally cool well i'm going to bed yep i hope you don't have any nightmares me too and you guys please follow us on facebook back on the block pod give us a five-star review on itunes that would be a great treat not a trick and we'll be back again next week if there's anything you think we should cover Let us know. Otherwise, stay well, and we'll catch you when we are back on the boulevard. Bye. Bye.